Welcome to Season 2 of Ing Podcast, a production of Menno Media's Leader Magazine. What does it mean to authentically follow Jesus? Each week, Ing Podcast invites you to join us on a journey. Join us as we talk with people of faith who are creatively thinking, growing, and being. People who are reimagining and exploring what it means to enrich faith in a complex world. Today's conversation with Ted Swartz is the second part of a two-part conversation. If you haven't yet listened to yesterday's conversation, we hope you go back and listen to that first. Our conversation begins now. Join us as we journey together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ing Podcast. Allison here, and today I'm here with Ted Swartz, who is a playwright and actor. The way you were talking about laughter, right? There's there's some vulnerability that can come with that. Yep. Um, yep. But also your mention of safety. I do feel like I've been to so many talks where, you know, it's about uh, sexual abuse or really big heavy topics but there's this laughter and and safety of we're all here figuring it out that journey aspect that you talked about and yeah. so i i'm wondering um yeah as you can maybe more comfortably or you're just able to go into these spaces that churches are maybe afraid to enter or feel like they can't enter around LGBTQ plus issues or mental health, um, you know, or traumas that have happened to indigenous peoples. Yeah. How, how do you see your role, I guess, in, um, I don't know, entering those spaces that need to be entered into um, if we're going to be thoughtful, engaging <laughs> Christian yeah. humans in the world. Um, yeah that can parallel church in a different way. I think about propaganda art that is trying to tell you how to feel and believe the truth Mm -hmm. in the way that the perpetrators of that think the truth is storytelling, a compelling story that's truthful or authentic with all of its shit and joys and wonder and mystery breaks down barriers if people are willing to listen. Mm. Um, Art can be tremendous, as you said, tremendously vulnerable, particularly theater can be that. And I'm still learning what that means. For instance, the show that I wrote, Listening for Grace, which has to do with struggles with uh, churches have with LGBTQ inclusion or not, and that conversation And it's been a tremendously impactful show for me to perform. But I realized with some help of some friends and also my therapist that I have written, I've written in a passive voice, uh, especially when I'm doing direct address. Mm. And an example would be, there's a character in Listening for Grace where um, a gay man is talking to his cousin about church in general. And the lines initially were that I did for many years, and they were impactful, which is, we love to preach community in church. We make you fall in love with it. Mm -hmm. And then when it's taken away, it just hurts worse. So what I rewrote this past January was this, which is, the church always preached community to me. 
they made me fall in love with it. And then when you took it away, it hurt worse. Mm. And I realized what I've been doing is creating um, a barrier between me and the audience, which is, as I've, I've jokingly written into um, a show that is, we're still in process on the Enneagram, which is part of a major project of the Center for Art, Humor, and Soul, which I'm executive director uh, and co-leader at this point. And I have a monologue where I talk about fake vulnerability, performative vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I call it vulnerability, (laughs) which is, it seems as if I'm being vulnerable because I'm a good enough artist. But if I remove that barrier by writing less in a passive voice and make it an active voice and owning that story, mm-hmm. I make it easier for an audience to come with me. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if I've said, hey, I've got something really important and impactful to show you. It's right around the corner. Come with me. As opposed to, here it is. Yeah. Um, and that that's, I'm still learning on, on those things. And I, I, I'm writing some things that are around fundraising, which is one of my major tasks for the center and saying part of what I love about conversations that I'm having with young artists that we're trying to support upcoming and sort of passing along the legacy of whatever it is that I've gained is I love learning new things. So the curiosity is a, I think a spiritual gift. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that if we continue to express that sentiment that's been said many times by smarter people than me, which is the older I get, the more I learn, I learn the less I know. Mm-hmm. And that is borne out by my friends who've been physicians for many years, which is you're never done learning something. And that's what keeps it exciting. And that's as an artist and as a human being, uh, it's pretty critical. And I'm really, I'm still in love with that idea. I'm, I'm in love with ideas mm-hmm. and I love, I love ideas of the mind. What I'm trying to do is embrace more. Um, what do I feel? I sometimes skip that onto the next new fun idea. Was that the question? I, can't I don't remember. I don't know, <laughs> but that was a great answer. Whatever the question was. <laughs> I can't remember what the question was. I think it had to do with, Stepping into difficult conversations. How does art help us do that? I I think it's when it comes with vulnerability and humility and curiosity, those three things together can make great art Mm -hmm. and it can invite people into a conversation they might not want to have. Yeah. I I had a conversation with someone who thinks very different, differently than I do theologically. And I was reacting against that. And I thought, well, I'm not sure I can continue these conversations with them because it's so different from where I have, or I am now and will want to be ongoing. And I realized, I don't think he was saying this is the only way to think about faith and theology. Mm-hmm. He, may, he may think that, I don't know, but I didn't hear that from him. What he was explaining to me was his experience, which... I'm not, I don't think he was negating my experience. Mm-hmm. So there was a certain humility there that I, I appreciated. Yeah. Well, and I appreciated how you were talking about 
almost like the need to take it personally yourself, some of these difficult topics so that you could help other people authentically enter into those spaces. And I think that I find that as a challenge as a pastor, right? Like I can preach about forgiveness, but there are people in my life who are really hard to forgive. And it is in wrestling with that and exploring that, that I can more truly and authentically preach about forgiveness and understand what is Jesus inviting me into really? And what does that look like in my daily life? So unfortunately, sometimes (laughs) we can't just have those barriers up and those difficult spaces are, are hard to inhabit. Um, And I'm grateful there are people who are leading the way with humor and, and drawing people in, in thoughtful ways. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. <laughs> what? I'm glad some people are doing that. Whoever those fine people well, I, might yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> what, I, what I'm also is in the last number of months because of going through some some difficult personal experiences too is what does it mean to be as transparent and authentic off stage as much as I want to be on stage? Mm. And what happens when you step into a um, an unknown, uncomfortable, potentially difficult situation with vulnerability and honesty and humility. And one of my biggest traits that I want to change is I try to assess how people are going to feel, try to control that before I go in, before I say or do anything, mm-hmm. which consequently means Many times I do not say or do anything, Mm -hmm. which what a surprise makes it worse. Yeah. And that's been a big challenge for me. It's trying to control a situation of which you have no control. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's an ongoing challenge. And that, that kind of attempt at control, and I don't think I'm a controlling person. I want everybody to like me, absolutely everybody to like me. That's my first impulse when I walk into a room and it has served me well at a certain level. As my therapist says, something's worked for you this far. What if it's not working anymore? Or maybe that's how you want to live. Ran into a high school classmate I hadn't seen in 35 years. And he said, I don't want everybody to like me. I don't like everybody. Why would I expect them to like me, everybody to like me? And I thought, huh, what an interesting way to live to have my impulses be more about authenticity and transparency as opposed to, I want this person to like me is a, is a whole lot better, mm-hmm. a whole lot better. It, do you know the Enneagram at all? Personality? Yes. I'm a, I identify as a nine wing eight. Okay. I don't know if, what that tells you about me, but well, I, I, I <laughs> a little bit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm a seven with a strong wing six, which fits that. I Mm -hmm. need to make sure I'm going to be safe before I Mm. venture out. And then I waffle. I don't know what the heck I want. So I've asked a a couple of good friends, which wing do you want me to be? And they said, oh, my God, please be an eight wing, which is just tell the truth, get it, you know, and say it and then take consequences from there. Mm -hmm. And I have resisted that my whole life. Now, those of you who don't know what the Enneagram is. Please watch for a new show that's coming out this fall (laughs) (laughs) that's being sponsored by um, the Center for Art, Humor, and Soul um, that deals with um, two characters 
um, the other collaborator and I, Michelle Milne, um, about what it means to embrace their own hard stuff and looking at themselves and how they can be transformed in a way that allows them to be more empathetic, mm. both to other people and to themselves. Mm. And it will be funny. It has to be funny in order for me to be one of, to be a part of it. Yeah. Not just me, but yeah. um, so that is one of my own personal struggles that I'm trying to learn from stage, putting into personal life, because we always take our personal life and we put it on stage. We mm. can't help ourselves. Yeah. That's what I love about theater, which is, hey, it's about us. Yeah. And it's imminently relatable because we all do stupid things together. Mm-hmm. This episode of Ing Podcast is sponsored by the Center for Art, Humor, and Soul, a nonprofit that supports and amplifies voices of edgewalkers, artists, cultural creatives, and spiritual visionaries on the edges of mainstream culture. The Center celebrates imagination, curiosity, and the joy of interconnection between one another and of the living world. This celebration includes a whole lot of soul-quenching laughter. To learn more about CAHS, go to arthumorsoul.com. We just want to say thank you for being a listener of Ing Podcast. Thank you for continuing to journey with us and for helping to spread the word about this ongoing storytelling endeavor. Please share our episodes with people who you think might value from these conversations. We also hope you might consider advertising with Ing Podcast. Are you connected to an organization with similar values or themes? Consider becoming an episode or season sponsor. We'll help you reach our growing audience. To find out more, email Joe H at menomedia.org. You've mentioned a couple of times now uh, the Center for Art, Humor, and Soul. I'm wondering if yes. you can talk more about what is that? Um, what's the, yes. the vision for it? What's coming from it? That's beautiful. A number of years ago, I had an intern, uh, Allison uh, Casella Brookins. And she was in seminary and asked to do an internship. And she said that part of what she wanted out of that internship with me, with Ted and company, the center didn't exist at the time, was to stretch some writing muscles around a particular topic. And this one was indigenous rights and the doctrine of discovery. Um, And so she started writing and I realized she's got some real chops. And, um, And I said, if you finish this play... Um, I would like to produce it and put it on the road with, with Ted and company. And long story short, that that did happen. And what I realized out of that is I had a great deal of satisfaction and uh, love for the idea of championing someone else's work. Sometimes it's passage of time. Sometimes it's where we are in life that what are we passing on? What are we, how are we helping the next generation or generations or, or persons who haven't had a voice in the way that maybe I have. So the center came out of some of that. And it was also a place where we could uh, ask for support to help underwrite shows that like the doctrine of discovery show, which is now called, we own this now and uh, a show called I'd like to buy an enemy, um, which is about, peace and justice, social issues in that way. And then the laughter sacred space, 
which is about my relationship with Lee and mental health and suicide and grief, most of those shows at some form had underwriting. So which is an outside source will help pay for it. So a congregation or a college or a community doesn't have to pay as much. So out of those two things, what's to pass on uh, sometime in the future and how to underwrite shows? The pandemic changed that a bit. Mm. Well, it changed it a lot, which is we can't be on stage. So the underwriting factor kind of goes away. So we started thinking about projects. That's where the Enneagram project came out of that, which is we can't perform. Let's transition into writing a brand new show with the hope that we can perform. And then it's translated into, all right, how do we use the leverage created by 35 years on the road as a straight white male with a whole lot of privilege? How do I take that and make it possible for persons who have not had that same kind of privilege? Artists who need a voice. Can we give them a voice? Can we elevate their work? And this is the thing that's really important for me is what can I learn from those artists? Mm. I think the church in general, let me, let me go way, way out on a limb and say the straight church in general should just shut up for a while mm. and learn from the queer community. Mm. And that's part of what I wanted to learn from is indigenous voices. Um, that's what the show we own us now has done for me. Um, women's voices, queer voices. Um, and that, that to me is tremendously exciting. There's a whole lot to learn. There's a whole lot of transformation that can happen for me personally. Mm -hmm. And then how can we take that and show the world uh, in a way that, again, there's the vulnerability, curiosity, humility. How can we take that um, and give people opportunity to show how that transforms lives? Um, and that's kind of the vision of cause. Mm -hmm. um, it is also about engendering conversations that um, transform people as well. So there's, there's a contemplative, somewhat mystical side to it. And I'm oriented toward, let's put it on stage. Mm -hmm. So we've got a nice combination of those kind of things. I understand there's, a, there's a, an institution called the Center for Action and Contemplation. It's a shame that's already taken. That's Richard Roy's place. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah. so I think about that sometimes where I'm oriented toward what the action is. The idea spurs an action. Mm -hmm. There's another way to come to truth, which is action engenders contemplation. Contemplation engenders action. So it's this nice little cycle mm -hmm. about that so that I'm not completely responding to what's in front of me all the time. So the center, um, this is only, we're only two and a half years old. And we've got a, um, a brand new energetic board that's come on as it's as our original board has tran transitioned out. And we're excited about a lot of new things that we uh, are going to do. Uh, the website's being um, constantly um, updated. Um, it's arthumorsoul.com. That's all one word, arthumorsoul. It looks like Arthur somebody, but it's arthumorsoul.com. <laughs> is where um, the website lives. And um, you can also find information on my website, which is tedandcompany.com, about uh, shows to support and also to book. We see it as a, as a gathering place for artists to gain support, um, both um, psychologically, emotionally, as well as sometimes financially. 
And it's a place then for people to see what's going on mm. and how your community might be transformed through, through the work of art in all forms. I, I lean toward, you know, spoken <laughs> word and theater, but we want to be able to branch out into other art forms as well too. So, yeah, that all sounds really exciting. And cool. it is. I'm, I, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to check it out and learn more. I, um, my last two questions you answered in your last answer. And so you are not only answering the question, but all future questions. You're oh. advanced level <laughs> podcast guest here. Oh my God. Answering all future questions. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. I'm, I'm going to break fourth wall and ask Ben if there's any other thing uh, he wanted to add before I, I close us out. But No, I, I, the only thing I'm thinking is I bet there's a jazz trio that really wants Arthur soul is their uh, URL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You stole it from them. <laughs> or an emo band. Maybe, maybe it's an emo band. Yeah. Uh, no, I think uh, that's been, it's been a pleasure to be a fly on the wall. I, Ted and I went to church for a brief moment in time after graduation, but before I headed out to seminary and I think our lives mm-hmm. just keep crisscrossing in these interesting ways, Ted. And it's, it's a privilege to keep having that happen. It's been fun. Yeah. Sometimes through some really shitty stuff. So that's okay too. <laughs> I, I think the, the hug that you gave Meredith and I, when right after our stillborn daughter, as you were performing laughter, a sacred space, I, I could still feel in my bones. So thank Aww. you for, for yeah. that presence in, well, in my life. Thank you. thank you so much, Ted. I'll say that first. Uh, for speaking with me and sharing this work that you do. If people want to follow along, where is the best way that they can connect with you and the work that you're doing? As I transition a bit more of my energy, I have to decide how I want to sustain Ted and company because I I only have so much capacity. Right. Um, Again, writing two brand new shows upcoming and then to tour those, I need an apparatus. So I'm trying to keep Ted and company um, at least active uh, in a way that it, it is still there. Um, we'll be on the road with, with two shows, um, this fall, uh, and possibly a Christmas tour that I'll run through Ted and company with, uh, one of my collaborators and artists, Jeff Rott from uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, an amazing piano player and very funny man. Um, so Ted and company still exists. Um, there is some confusion, obviously some, you know, so what we're trying to do is take care of some of that confusion, which is uh, we're calling it a partnership. So the Center for Art, Humor, and Soul is partnering with Ted and Company in different projects. Um, the Center, we call it CAHS, C-A-H-S, CAHS, uh, Center for Art, Humor, and Soul. We think of it as an incubator, um, not a producing company that they you wouldn't call them to book a show. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime in the future, maybe, but for right now it's an incubator and then send it out. So if it's a Ted and company product after that, if someone comes to us to write a play and they need some support, um, Ted and come or cause will not own any of that. Yeah. The idea is we can help as best we can to help your work go out. So we don't have any interest in holding rights to someone else's artistic, um, sweat, blood and dreams. Yeah. No, that's a helpful clarification. Thank you again so much. This was wonderful. And thank you everyone who is, is listening to this episode. I hope that you check out Ted's work and uh, the work that comes out of the center of art, humor, and soul as well. 
Uh, Please do. Bye. Thanks, Ben. Great to see you. Thanks, Allison. The month of May is recognized as Mental Health Awareness Month. And over the next several weeks, we will be highlighting some voices that do work in that particular area. Next week on Ink Podcast, we're joined by author Carlene Hill Byron. Faith communities are uniquely situated to provide outstanding mental health supports when we do what God calls us to do. Churches are designed to be places where people experience meaning and purpose and belonging and value and hope. And those are the mental health supports that we are best qualified to provide. As always, we'd like to thank our guests and all who support Ing Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the journey. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. And if you have something to share, send us a message at theing at menomedia.org or by leaving us a voicemail. Ing Podcast is hosted by Reverend Allison Moss and Reverend Dr. Dennis Edwards and produced by me, Ben Weidman. Views and opinions expressed on Ing Podcast are those of our hosts and guests and may not represent that of Leader Magazine or Menno Media. Ing Podcast is a production of Menno Media, a nonprofit publisher that creates thoughtful Anabaptist resources to enrich faith in a complex world. To find out more, visit us online at menomedia.org.